Welcome everyone to another Bastards Spring Training edition of the podcast. We actually have a couple of developments to talk about. We're not winging it for the first time in the last several shows. That's the good news. The bad news is they're kind of sad, pathetic developments. Uh, so it won't be a happy show necessarily. Uh, so the two primary topics we're going to cover, John Schreiber has been traded to the Kansas City Royals, which is looking sexier by the day, really. I mean, they they might win the AL Central. And uh, coming back to the Red Sox in that deal is Dave Shandling. Uh, so we're going to cover that. And then in the second part, Tristan Casas has apparently declined an extension offer from the Red Sox. So um, that's probably a more loaded topic than you think. So we will break that down. I am Terry Cushman, joined tonight by Micah Storms and Jason Kelly. How are you guys? Not too bad. Can't complain, but, you know, kind of just... Waiting for some real baseball games to start. Uh, you know, I, I already kind of dread that sort of first spring training game against Northeastern, which is just such a waste of time. But at the same time, like I'm just itching for, for a real baseball game. So I'll take it for now. But uh, yeah, it's still just been one hell of a drag of an offseason. And today's news, uh, not much better. I hope we lose that game so bad. I don't think we ever have. <laughs> that would be the perfect start to um you know spring training and 2024 micah how are you oh man it's been it's been challenging because there's i feel like i will get into it but man it's just i'm all over the place with like how i feel about things like i want to be excited because we're 39 days away um as of sunday night from opening day but the team is just a train wreck and that's frustrating it's like how do you get excited about something you've been waiting for for months but at the same time you're watching that team not give a damn about the product they put on that field in 39 days it's weird yeah i mean i was just thinking before i came on go back to the year 2000 you guys were pretty young at that time when was there a worse offseason? I don't think there was one. The The closest I can come to it is probably the Bobby Valentine year. I don't think we did much, but we had, on paper, we were pretty good. You still had Josh Beckett, who had a pretty good 2011. Um, Lester. Lackey had Tommy John. But uh, I, I know I'm forgetting a couple other names. Felix Dubrant was a solid back-end guy. Um, didn't they buckle Crawford? Didn't they sign Carl Crawford though in 2011? Yes. Or was that 2012? No, the 20 coming into 2011. So that was his first season, but then he had Tommy okay. John and I think missed a big chunk of it as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be a trash season once Valentine got hired anyway, but that that's literally the closest you can come. And, and nobody was saying we were definitely out of the postseason at that point. That was the first year of the one game wild card as well. So, um, but expectations, I think, are the lowest of all time. 
Fangraphs still has it at 80 and a half wins. Everybody better go place their bets before that gets bet down to mid 70s or something. I was just going to say DraftKings still has it at 80 as well. So, yeah, if you haven't placed your bets yet, go do it before they lower that number. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I don't feel great about over 80. So, someone last year said it at 72 wins, and that was too low. So, I think that got bet up. Uh, quite a bit but anyone who who caught that number uh was in good shape but anyway so so my other thought on breslow here is he he's like your corrupt uncle that like steals from your trust fund but you know paints a rosy picture oh everything's good you're gonna have plenty of money but that's what happens every time a player comes off uh the major league roster but uh, to set this part of the segment up, so it's John Schreiber versus David Shandling, Shandlin, rather. Um, according to Fangraphs, over the winter, Shandlin was ranked 17th in the Royals system. Baseball America, uh, as of, I think, December, had him ranked 20th. So this is a very low-end prospect, um, or maybe a mid-level prospect, I guess. But uh, coming into the Red Sox system, according to MLB Pipeline, they've already inserted him as 19th in the Red Sox system. So not not the sexiest of trades. So, Micah, go ahead. What are your thoughts on it? So I was doing a bunch of research. Um, ESPN, their prospect rank, um, writer, whatever you want to call him. He had uh, an updated 2024. He had uh, um fifth in the Royal fifth. system. Come, yes. And Keith Law, Keith Law had him eighth. Um, but Baseball America did have him, whatever, I think you said, what, 16th or whatever? Uh, they were 20th. 20th. Um, I did read the write-up on, on him, and they said he is one of the potential breakout guys for – 2024 if he can stay healthy because he had a lap problem that that sidelined him so um with that said <laughs> uh you know the red sox they they never have stated during this entire time even with bloom that they were in a rebuild like that phrase was never used um but that's what this whole thing has been a rebuild um going back to 2020 um and that's how i view it and we are going into 2024, so that would put us technically year five of the rebuild. And for the Boston Red Sox to be trading a a key member of the bullpen after pitchers and catchers have reported, I think that's the problem that I have with this trade. If this would have happened in December or January, I don't even know if I would have cared as much because I would be like, well, you know, they're still going to have other moves. You know, they if they add to the rotation, you know, Hauk, Winkowski, Whitlock, they would all go to the bullpen. And then you have a lot of righties in the bullpen to go with Martin and Jansen and everything. But the fact that they're doing this after pitchers and catchers reported, um, and they're doing it for a pitcher who we will not see for, I would say, at least two years – I think that's the problem I have with this because, you know, Whitlock, Winkowski, or Hauk, one of them is going to be in the rotation as of right now. And I don't personally love any of them for the last rotation spot. But 
it just thins your bullpen that much more. Um, and I mean, if, if an injury comes up, you know, say Bayo goes down with an elbow injury or something like, I hope not, but then that pushes, you know, instead of two, two thirds of those guys going to the pen. Now only one's going to the pen. Like it just, they have such little depth in the rotation that they took away from yes, a strength, but the bullpen was probably the only strength that this team has at any position group. The offense isn't going to be what I, I don't think it's going to be a strength. The starting rotation is not going to be a strength. I don't think the defense is going to be a strength. I really think the bullpen had a chance to be a strength and they took away from that, that area of strength. So, um, you know, if this was a deal that happened in 2022, 2023, I don't think I would have hated it so much. Like I, I acknowledge the fact that they need starting pitching in the minors. Like even the, the Richard Fitz, um, you know, move for with Verdugo. Like I'm okay with that because they need depth options in, in triple a, like they need pitching prospects, but to do it this late going into spring training, um, in technically year five, like they should be way past trading big league pieces for guys. We're not going to see for years. Um, I I'm intrigued by the arm. Um, but it, I think it's the timing for me. It, it just, it feels off and, you know, I still want to see this team because I, I would love to see Jordan Montgomery be on this team still because he's still out there. And I think this team could be competitive at the very least for a wild card spot. But it, it certainly seems like they're completely waving the white flag on 2024. And that's frustrating because, again, three last place finishes in four years. It should not be four out of five when you're the Boston Red Sox with their resources. So that's where I stand with this trade. Uh, I'm frustrated, but Again, I I do like acquiring talented young arms, but to me the timing's just way off. Jason. Yeah, on paper it's not it doesn't look like a horrible move because we complain all the time that the Red Sox don't have any arms coming through their system. They don't have pitching coming through their system because every draft they draft twenty shortstops and they never take a pitcher. So on paper you look at it and you go, okay, you traded away a journeyman reliever who had one good year with you, struggled last year, and you got a 22-year-old potential starter, potential breakout option, as Micah mentioned, in return. Okay, not bad, right? You know, I'll take a guy who's 22 who throws hard and has potential and you know potentially has a high ceiling, sure. But then when you really dive into it, it it's the same crap they've been doing for a number of years now where they take away from the current team to build towards this dream vision they have of 2026 or 2027, whatever year they label it as when Mayer and Teal and Roman Anthony are up because they keep shoving those guys down your throat. Well, just wait till Marcelo Mayer's up. Just wait till Kyle Teal is up. Just wait till Roman Anthony's here. Then we're going to compete. Okay, great. But that's not for another two to three years. If those guys all hit by the way, which they may not. So what are we supposed to do in 2024? Like, just, just sit there and, and watch paint dry because the team stinks. But, hey, in 2026, they'll be really good. So it's more of that same philosophy that kind of drives me nuts a little bit. And I understand their bullpen is strong, and maybe subtracting Schreiber at the end of the day is, is a wash. Maybe it doesn't affect them at all. But what if he returns to form? 
and he's a really good reliever for the Royals, and he ends up being like a you know good seventh, eighth inning guy for them. And what if your bullpen struggles? What if guys get hurt? Your closer is 36 years old with a heart issue. Chris Martin is is up there too. Like, what if there's an injury there? And all of a sudden, your strong bullpen that should have been, you know, the you know, one of the cinder blocks of your team. What if it starts to crumble? And you traded away a guy for, as Micah said, a 22 year old who you're not going to see for probably two to three years. You know, he he last pitched in single A with Kansas City, and yeah, his numbers were okay, but he's nowhere close to the majors. So it's just more of what annoys me is it's subtracting from the 2024 team to build towards 2026, 2027, whatever. Okay, fine. But you're basically telling your fan base, we're not trying this year. We're not. They didn't do anything in the offseason except ship out Chris Sale for Von Grissom, who I like Von Grissom, but let's face it, his biggest question mark is his defense. And defense did you win big time last year. So the bat better be real with him. And then you bring in Lucas Giolito, who, let's face it, is a reclamation project. You know, everyone's like so excited for Lucas Giolito because at one point he was a top end starter, but he hasn't been that for a long time. So that's all they did. That's it. So it's just it's more, you know, for a last place team to go out and just do that in the offseason. You know, it's it's more of just punting on 2024 because we're, we're looking forward to, you know, years down the road. And I hate that. I think it's just an awful message to the fan base. It's an awful message to your team. And look, I'm not telling you that because they traded John Schreiber, they're going to finish in last place again. But it's just the move is like a microcosm of what their philosophy is right now. Let's just kick the can down the road. Let's, you know, acquire as many young guys as we can. And hopefully in 2026, all of our prospects turn out to be future Hall of Famers, and then we'll compete, as opposed to, oh, I don't know, doing what the Yankees did and trading for Juan Soto, or you know, going out and signing big-name free agents to, you know, to help our cause. It's just the philosophy is so backwards to me. I don't think it's going to work. I, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm so down on them going into this season. And look, I hope, you know, I hope Sandlin works out. I hope he ends up being a really good young arm for them. But if he doesn't and they struggle again this year, it's just another one of those little moves that you look at and go, do you care about winning this year? Or do you just care about building some dream team for years down the road that might happen, might not? I I just, I hate that approach and I really think it's going to cost them. All the smart people that ever made the Red Sox great are long gone. Long gone. And I know Theo's back, but it's not in the role that everyone thought it was going to be. And does it even feel like he's back two or three weeks later? (laughs) Not at all. So, you know, that's number one. Number two, I really think Breslow thought he was going to make, you know, some good moves this winter and and that the narrative would be much different than it is now. But I, I think he botched it. He botched it, and I think his only play at this point is to try to acquire pitching depth for the farm. I mean, Bloom every year refused to make moves like this in July. And we could have had Heim, uh, excuse me, we did have Heim Bloom last July. Um, we could have had uh, Edward Cabrera from the Marlins for, for Justin Turner. 
maybe Micah, you've pointed that out. Someone on the show pointed that out. And we didn't do it. You know, you just traded for Dave uh, Shanlin and it might take him four years to to come up and be a factor. You could have had Cabrera pitching game three of the season in Seattle. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're taking the, the long road now. And it, it just kind of annoys me on Valentine's Day. So that was what, a week and a half ago, something like that, maybe a week ago. Um, I tweeted out, if Duran or Jansen get traded, it's only going to be for minor leaguers. It's not going to be for an investment for this season. It's not going to be to free up money to go get Montgomery. That's not happening. It's been the biggest inconvenience for Craig Breslow this winter to still have Montgomery and Snell out there. And for all these writers desperately trying to connect them to the Red Sox, that is just destroying Breslow right now. He needs those guys off the market so he can stop fielding those questions because he's got no intention of bringing them to Boston. He, he So it's – I'm going to say it for the first time on, on the air, and I'm the first host on this crew that, that's going to have said it so far. I think there's a real possibility this could be a one-and-done year for Breslow. I really believe that. If you want to play devil's advocate, you could say, oh, well, that would destroy the Red Sox image. Well, it's already destroyed, and I think we've got a guy who has no feel for the job. He was their 11th choice for the job, okay? It's kind of a science experiment, and it hasn't really worked. He He's had no feel for free agency, no real feel for the trade market, and uh, he can't. He's not good with the media. I I don't know what he's like on the phone with other executives, but it, it, he just seems like a guy that's got no feel for the position. He'll probably stay in a similar capacity like he was with the Cubs. Like he could probably help a lot with pitching development, but I I think the, you know by. August or September, this is going to be looked at as a failed science experiment. The only thing that can save him is Andrew Bailey and a 2021-like season that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> That's the only thing I think that can that can save Breslow. I don't know what happens after that, but this is a this is an organization that has no friends. Nobody is saying nice things about the Red Sox. Not the fans. Not the media. Not the national guys. So I'm just I'm annoyed by the trade because it just doesn't it just doesn't do us any good in the short term. You know, we got a guy that's a very low end type guy. Richard Fitz has a lot more upside, you know, from the Verdugo trade with the with the Yankees. Um Jansen did meet with the media today uh in said it's 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 a little annoying to be connected to trade talks but he vows not to give up on the team wants to help the young pitching said a lot of nice things you know but um 
It's crazy. I still think more likely than not, Jansen does get traded, though. Someone's going to go down with an injury. Someone towards the back of someone's bullpen, eighth or ninth inning, is going to go down. And then the Red Sox are going to get probably fleeced. (laughs) I don't know what the trade's going to look like. There'll be a pitcher in there who throws 98 like Kyle Ort did. And uh, and who knows what's going to happen. But, yeah. Any more thoughts on the deal or Breslow? I think just the point you made about Breslow in terms of this season, you know, in a vacuum. I mean, he really needs um, Andrew Bailey to to bail him out. I, I think you're right about that because he's got to turn around Whitlock, Hauk, Cutter Crawford. He's got to turn Brian Bale into an ace because right now, and look, it's Tom Karen, so take it for what it's worth. But Tom Karen today on Twitter was like, Nick Pavetta should be the Red Sox opening day starter. That's where you are right now as a team. Tom Karen is saying that Nick Pavetta should be your opening day starter. And the, the Pavetta discourse is already pissing me off because all the beat writers, all the guys down there are saying, oh man, he's we're going to get like a season long of psycho Nick. Like he's hit the ground running. He's due for a breakout year. Even Lou Merloni, who I like Lou, but Lou Merloni's like, I think he's going to have a huge breakout year and they should extend him. Like, Really? That's where we are right now? So I, I think you're right. I think, you know, Andrew Bailey is really the guy you should be keying on, in on because he has to turn around the the crap he's been given with this rotation. And it's not all crap. Brian Bayo has a lot of upside. He might take a big step forward this year. But I've made my thoughts clear about, like, Whitlock and Hauk. I don't think they're starters. I think they belong in the bullpen. But this is what you're stuck with. And it's going to be really tough for Breslow if – those guys don't pan out. If Nick Pavetta is still the Nick Pavetta of old, if Brian Bayo doesn't take a step forward, um, I don't rule out one and done because, you know, it's it's a business at the end of the day. And maybe maybe after, you know, another half season of just losing and, and fans just really getting angry, maybe Henry and co. wake up and go, you know what, enough of this. We need to change course. So I don't rule it out. I just, you know. He needs a lot of things to go right. I, I don't think they could ever get rid of Breslow in one year. Um, I, I personally think you have to keep Breslow for at least five years. I, I like, don't think they can, though. I, I view like I, I, I always viewed whoever got this job had to be given at least a five-year window because they've run through GMs over and over and over again. And that's why nobody wants the job. Nobody wants a job where if you have a bad two or three year stretch, you're gone. And the way Dombrowski left the, the, the organization, you weren't set up for sustained success over, you know, a five year window. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't possible. Um, so I just, I like what Breslow has done. And I, I like some of the trades. I, I don't like the free agent, the lack of free agent signings. Like there's been players out there. Um, for instance, Randall Gritchick signed a $2 million deal one year, $2 million. Like he's a right-handed bat that could have helped the Red Sox. So I, I think there's been some moves out there. The trades, I mean, the Grissom trade, um, the Verdugo trade. I mean, this trade, honestly, I think the timing is poor, but this trade 
I mean, th- these three trades that he made this offseason blow Heimblum out of the water over the last like three years. It's not even close. Like, I think there's been some creativity with some of the trades. Um, I, I really think this all falls on ownership. I mean, you can you can blame Breslow, but there is no doubt a spending hold. Um, they are just freezing the funds for whatever reason. And I, I think he's the scapegoat, unfortunately. I mean, I think to some degree, I think Bloom was a scapegoat. Um, but I, I think Breslow is like a scapegoat times 10 to bloom like it, it's just it's so much more because i i don't know what he's supposed to do i i really think there is a they won't go three four five years on a starting pitcher they haven't done it you know in when was the last time they gave a starting pitcher three years i mean you'd have to probably go back to the chris sale extension no it was oh well okay i well i think that same winter also Evaldi got his deal but, but that was 2019. We're now yeah. in 2024. Like, right. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the person who would be negotiating these extent these, these contracts. I think it's ownership telling them we're not going four years or we're not going five years. We're just not doing it. I, I really think Henry really felt burned by the David Price deal and then the Chris Sale extension. Like, those two deals were about as, like, a complete disaster. You could not have done a much worse deal than David Price and Chris Sale. Just train wrecks. And I think he's now gun shy of saying, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. Like, we have to find a different way. The problem is, if you're going to keep drafting shortstops, like Jason said earlier, how are you supposed to get pitching? Like, if you don't draft them and you don't sign them, and you won't even trade in an expiring contract when you're in fourth place for Edward Cabrera. Like, I have no idea how the hell they expect to get pitching. It's impossible to do what they're doing um, because all three avenues, they're not putting even a B effort into, you know, trying to get pitching. It's just, they're not trying. <laughs> so um, one more thought is I'm at the point now where, I mean, you look at the projections, you look at just the the pitching in general. I don't see how you have a $16 million closer for a last place team. I don't see why you would do that. I'm not saying I necessarily want the Red Sox to trade um, Jansen, but I do think having Jansen on the roster, it, it it's almost like ownership is sending mixed signals with that because – Teams that pay closers that much money are usually competing for playoff spots. But the Red Sox are far from competing for a playoff spot. So it's like, why are you paying for a closer with that much money when you're going to finish in last place? Like, I just look at the other teams in the division. Look what they've done this offseason. The Red Sox by far have had the worst offseason out of the five teams. So I think Jansen should be moved especially after this move, because this move shows we are punting on 2024. And I hate that. I hate it because why sign Rafael Devers to a a big extension when you're wasting his prime years? That just doesn't make sense. And that's what they're doing. They are punting season after season with Rafael Devers. And it's just a shame. I I just, the, the, the plan for this organization 
I can't figure it out. I truly can't. Um, they just need direction. And you can't hit the reset button after three last place finishes in four years. It's, you can't do it. This fan base, you can't do it. This city is too passionate. There's too much success now with this organization to say, we're going to go away for 10 years. That's just with their resources. They should never go away. Like the Baltimore Orioles did with hundred loss season. I know it's, it hasn't been a hundred loss season, but last place finish after last place finish, the Red Sox should never do that. So I think when I'm trying to, you know, put out there that I think Breslow could be one and done the Jansen example is, the most glaring of them all. This is on Breslow. That's a Breslow move that he needs to make and he can't execute. It should be extremely easy to move a guy like Jansen and he can't do it. We're stuck with him. But if, if you can't move any money and this is part of my problem too, like there was a report that came out last week that the Red Sox are unwilling to eat any of Jansen's money. And that's part of my problem is if you're playing for 2025, 2026, 2027, and they have not spent any money, like they, they have $35 million into the luxury tax. They should be willing to eat all of Jansen's money. Like, why are you like, don't complain about eating money. Take all 16 million and, and eat it and get the best prospect possible for Kenley Jansen. That's what they should be doing if they really are building for 2025 and beyond. I really think the lack of of the ability to send money to the team, like you're going to get a bucket of balls for Kenley Jansen if you can't give the team any money because $16 million is a lot of money for Kenley Jansen with his age and his injury history. I think that's what's holding up the deal is who can I find to take on money and get or, or to not take on money and give me something back that's decent in return. I just don't think that's out there if they really won't eat any of the, the money. Well, again, he, he has to execute, and, and he's not. There's a number of teams out there that could use Kenley Jansen, and I think Kenley's going to have a decent year. Is he going to be a top-five closer? Probably not, but he'll be serviceable. He'll get a team into the into the postseason if he's you know anchoring their ninth inning, but... I just, the guy has no feel for it. And, and another move that I destroyed instantly was the Tyler O'Neill trade. The dude isn't healthy. He doesn't really perform. He's had one good year. And I, I think a lot of people were okay with it because they expected a lot more stuff to follow. And we never, it never came. That move was a $5 million salary dump by the Cardinals. That's what it was to them. Uh, you know, there was some problems last year between him and the manager. We gave him that crap reliever we got for Kike. Uh, his last name was Robertson, I think. Um, it, it was a nothing return for them. It was a salary dump. That's it. And Breslow is dumb enough to take it. And I think that's going to blow up. If I think long term, I I do still like the Grissom deal, but I mean, man, we've we've got another terrible defensive infield on tap. He hasn't solved the defense part of it. Um, I just I don't know. It's uh, we'll we'll see what happens, but they're gonna take a beating this year. 
Um, and we're going to see some empty stands. They're going to be lowering ticket prices. Uh, it's not going to cost a whole lot of money to go watch the Red Sox in July. Uh, you know, if you want to go have the Fenway experience, that's that's what I want them to pay for the most. That one line Sam Kennedy gave at Winter Weekend when he says, you know, at the end of the day, we're selling the Fenway experience and that's how we're going to make money. He said that out loud. And uh, so I want I want that to overtake the full throttle stuff that we still see every day on social media, which has gotten which has gotten pretty old if I'm being completely honest, but um we'll see what happens. And then another thing too, Micah, you pointed out accurately, um you know, it's hard to not be haunted by the David Price deal, the Chris Sale extension. But let's also look at it for what it was. I mean, Dombrowski executed the the Sale extension wrong. He should have let him pitch that that final year just to make sure he was healthy. He was coming off of a shoulder injury. Come to find out later on that following season, he needed Tommy John. Uh, and then David Price never, he instantly, he didn't have the personality to pitch in Boston. Boston was going to eat that guy alive. And that's what happened. So poor execution on those. And then all the guys we've been clamoring for outside of Yamamoto, they've been nowhere near the money that, that price and sale got. I mean, we weren't all unanimous on some of these guys, but I'd say at least three of us on the crew would probably vote for any of them. Sonny Gray, three years, $75 million. Cy Young runner-up. Eduardo Rodriguez, yeah, there's some baggage there. Maybe a little bit of bad history, but four years, $80 million. I'd take I'd take Eduardo Rodriguez right now. Uh, Seth Lugo... And then Montgomery and Snell. Montgomery's not going to make $100 million. I'm already... I'll take that. I'll make a serious wager on that. I A few months ago, I would have I would have bet the opposite, but he's not making that. And Snell might make a little bit more than 100 on like a three-year deal, but but these, these are moves that the, the Red Sox should have made and it didn't happen. And now we're we're losing guys and let's just say he trades Duran you're just hoping the next guy ends up being as good as Duran <laughs> like come on like it's just it's so bad nothing makes sense this winter nothing makes any sense whatsoever this has been a clown show and, and that is offensive to clowns I think I'm like I shouldn't I shouldn't I shouldn't have even said that but but <sighs> I don't know. I'm just ranting at this point. Do you want to move on to Casas or is there any more? We can keep piling it on if you guys want. No, I think you pretty much covered it again. Just this off season has so many, you know, just so many question marks surrounding it in terms of their approach short short term and even their approach long term. It's just even executives around the league. I think, you know, I know a lot of people hate him, but you listen to Tony Maz. Whenever he talks about the Red Sox, he's like, yeah, the people I talk to in the industry, they don't know what's going on. They don't know what this team's doing. They they, they even say it doesn't make sense. Um, it's just that they don't have a clear and concise plan, and I think they're just kind of, in a way, flying by the seat of their pants. It, it's embarrassing, frankly. 
You know, I, I just talked about, you know, remorse over Gray, Rodriguez, Lugo, all those guys. I'm having remorse about some of the guys we talked to that were willing to interview with the Red Sox. Neil Huntington did a crap job, got fleeced by the Rays for glass now and all that. At this point, I'm thinking he would have crushed it somehow. <laughs> like, it would have worked out better. And then we had Thad Levine. He would have been my second pick anyway, and he was still willing to do it. But I, I don't know. That I'm just saying. I, I've just got nothing but remorse. It, here's another thing, too. Here's another thing. Go back to September. If I told you Josh Winkowski is going to be considered for the rotation, and we've heard that as recently as the last few days. How would you have assumed this winter would have gone for that quote to be put into the universe? Because that's where we're at. That is where we're at. Yeah, that's kind of unfathomable if you think about it. <laughs> if you put it that way, I would have been like, what happened? Like, did did they sign Yamamoto and Otani and they're waiting for Otani to come back? Like, I, I wouldn't know what to think. Um, that would be kind of wild, but you said Breslow was what option 11. Yeah. I, I've had the list right here from those solo rant shows. I haven't gotten rid of it. I mean, he, here's the, here's the list of names, Brandon Gomes, Sanfold, Kim Eng, who I would have loved. And I hated the thought of it initially, but in hindsight, give me Kim Eng, Michael Hill, John Daniels, Derek Falvey, Chris Antonetti, Mike Hazen, Emil Sade, James Click. All said no. I I really believe that if they were to fire Breslow after one year, you would be looking at probably that list times four or five because that would be four GMs or president of baseball operations in a six-year window. Nobody would touch this job if you offered them so much. Like You'd have to offer them an insane amount of money to take this job because – Again, who would want to come into this disaster? It, this is, like you said, this is a clown show. Um, and I just, the, the lack of direction, it, it just seems like they want to hit the reset button every three months. Like they're, oh, we're, nope, we're not doing this anymore. We're going we're gonna to try this. And then they try this for three weeks and they don't get the results they're looking for. And then they just devise a new plan and they said, oh, we're going to do this for three months. And it's just, it's all over the place. And I just you have to wonder about what the heck do these players feel like going into spring training? <laughs> because in 39 days, baseball's coming, like the games start, and like Devers and I mean we we're gonna talk about Casas in a second, but if you're him and he said he wants to be in Boston forever, why would you want to stay here for the next like if I'm Casa, someone that you have to show me over the next two or three years that this is not going to continue and that there is a direction or else I'll go somewhere else where there is somewhat of a direction or a team that has a very clear direction. But we talk about all the time, like this is not a destination city anymore. And like, no, it's not like no one in their right mind would want to sign here long term with this lack of direction i there's i couldn't you'd have to pay me you know 30 percent over market value for me to come here 
And we sure know they're not going to do that. So it's like, how the hell are they going to get people to come here? So here's how I think it'll work. Sam Kennedy is going to have to do something that this front office doesn't like to do. He's going to have to admit we're wrong. We really need somebody in here with a lot of experience. That's number one. Number two, they're going to have to let that next GM clean house. He's not he's not taking the holdovers anymore. Brian O'Halloran is gone. Eddie Romero, as great as he's done and is still, in my opinion, doing with the international stuff, probably gone. Um, they're going to bring in their own pitching gurus. Alex Cora will be gone, I think, whether we want him to or he wants to. I mean, why would he want to stay? So you're, they're going to be able to choose their own manager. I think some things will go into play. And I think when we're doing our midweek bottom five on July 27th, I think you guys will come around to it. Like you guys will at least be 50 50 that Breslow might not be back. I promise I will not say one time that I think Breslow should be gone at any point in the season, because I truly think that is a crime to enter a situation with the restrictions he has on him and then fire him within a year. I, I just, I wouldn't do that if for anybody, like I truly would not, he'd have to like Breslow would have to trade Raphael Devers and Tristan Cott like th that. It would take that for me to absolutely go in uproar and say, get rid of him. But if he's just building the farm and whatever, but I'm not going to say it. They're, like They could win 60 games this year. I'm not going to say it. Well, just to be clear, I'm not going to be putting up Fire Breslow hashtags, and I wouldn't mind seeing a second winter from him, uh, hopefully with different circumstances. But I still think it's a science project. And, you know, it... it, it it either passes or it fails. I think, you know, that, that's just where I'm at. So I'm not going to be, I'm, this isn't going to be bloom 2023 for me with Breslow, you know, during the 2024 season, that's not where I'm going, but I, I just wouldn't be shocked. That's all I'm saying. For the record, I'll entertain it. <laughs> okay. why not it's already so much of a clown show let's just clown it up yeah, why not yeah, yeah. I'll entertain I just, it. yeah but you would really want them to go through this process um six months from now you would really want them to do this all over again and because i think it was really embarrassing the fact that they went through so many people turned them down like you want you want to go through the same names turning them down again in six months no, not necessarily, but I also have a scenario where I think maybe they pull Celtics and Alex Cora moves upstairs and they don't have to interview anybody and they don't have to go through the process again. And instead of him leaving somewhere else to manage, maybe he just says, you know what, you guys don't know what you're doing. I'll move upstairs and I'll, I'll do it. I would be, I don't know how you guys feel on the Alex Cora in the front office, but I am a hard no on that i i don't no. like it either but having said that i, I mean if, if they did it this year i still think we'd be in better shape uh, than what we are <laughs> i just don't think i don't see how it's any different than craig breslow getting the job like breslow has more front office front office experience than alex cora did he was at least underneath 
um, Jed Hoyer in Chicago. And Cora is the manager. He's not in the front office. I mean, he may talk to the front office a lot, but he's not in the front office making negotiations. Like, I don't think that's what he's doing. I, I think we enter the same exact spot where we have an inexperienced guy leading a ship that would, it is directionless. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I am, I really believe Breslow five years, see where we're at. Like I, I, I would say that about anybody at this point. I, you need to give them time to at least establish some type of vision. You can't do that in the first three months. But like, they're on the floor though in terms of public perception like there's nothing to protect you're not there's no saving face you're already you know you're underwater so i i just don't so why make a move like what what making a move is going to do what they're, they're going to need somebody with previous experience I, I just think that's that's a start i i mentioned neil huntington Thad Levine, um, yeah, they interviewed Gabe Kapler, but that wouldn't have been much different from Breslow. Um, but those guys at least have the experience. But you fire Breslow not even a year into it. They're going to they're gonna say absolutely not. Like the perception is if I have one bad year, then I could be gone. Not even four years like Heim Bloom. Like one year, I'm gone. Like – Nobody is going to sign up for this if you make this move. Like, I really believe that the, the deal they made with Breslow, they have no choice but to follow through for four or five years because they could fire him. And again, nobody is going to want to look at this job because you have created this perform in the next four months or be on the hot seat. And that is ludicrous. That's bad. That's not, it's, that's it's, not how it's, baseball works. It's bad. It's, I know the, it's bad. The NBA, you can turn around probably faster because you can sign LeBron James or whatever, if you could, and you could turn a team around quickly. But when you have a, a an, an MLB team with a subpar big league roster and a, a an average farm system, you can't develop uh, you can't do it over the course of four months. It's it's absolutely impossible. I just think, you know, they, they'll probably, whoever comes in will probably, they're going to have something that none of these guys had, which is leverage. Like Sam Kennedy wasn't giving these guys any leverage whatsoever. They, they were going to have to take this job entirely on Sam Kennedy's terms. And it didn't work. So I think the Red Sox have zero leverage going into next winter. Whoever comes in, probably going to be one of the highest paid executives in a front office because that's the price you pay for being a clown show. Uh, and I, you know, I, I it, you know, and I'm not saying I'm going to be right. Uh, you know, Breslow very well could be here a year from now as, as we begin the next spring training. But I just think I think there's a, just a more than slight possibility of you know something unforeseen could happen. That's all I'm. Going. I'm just making the case is all I'm doing. <laughs> but let's move on. We will. This isn't going to be a prominent topic throughout the year, so we won't revisit it a ton. But not till September anyway. But um, let's get into another big topic as we. 
stated in the intro, Tristan Casas has declined at least one offer. I meant to have the quotes up. Rod Bradford's article, I'll do it when you guys are giving your takes, but um, right at some point in the month of December, Costas got a call for his eight from his agent. The Red Sox were willing to offer this. Costas declined it. Bradford asked him, was it a hard offer to decline? And Costas said no. So um, that's where we're at. Jason, why don't we lead you off on this one? What, what are your thoughts on that not happening? Yeah, this should piss you off if you're a Red Sox fan because – Part of this whole debacle of an offseason that, you know, the counterpoint we've been hearing is, well, they're not going to do it like that. They're going to shape it more like the Atlanta Braves do and these other teams that are locking up their young stars pre-arbitration, locking them up to long-term contracts um, like the Rays tried to do with Wander Franco. Didn't work out for them, unfortunately. But, um, you know, like the Braves did with Strider and Acuna, um, that was the counterpoint was, well, just wait, they're going to extend Casas, they're going to extend Bayo, and, you know, th- those will be the sort of, you know, corner pieces that they'll build around. And now you hear not just from Casas, but Brian Bayo too, earlier in the winter said, yeah, no, they haven't really, we haven't had much conversation about it, never really got off the ground in terms of extension talks. And then Casas saying, yeah, no, nothing, uh, nothing enticing. It's like, what are we doing? Like, who are you going to pay? Are you going to pay anybody? You paid Raphael Devers because the fan base basically bullied you into it. And then you paid Trevor Story, which looks like a horrible contract now, unless he has the bounce back year that everyone says that he will. I don't buy it. I think he's, you know, not worth the money at all. Who the hell are you going to pay? Tristan Costas, like, the the campaign around Costas this winter from the Red Sox has been like, oh, man, you know, let's – Let's pump up this kid. Let's show more Tristan Costas workout videos and let's show, you know, oh, this is why he paints his nails and blah, blah, blah. I thought for sure that because of that, it's like, okay, yeah, no, they're, they're going to extend him. Absolutely. Because they were so patient with him last season. Look, I'll admit, I'll take a Mia Copa. I was the one, one of the ones saying that they should have sent him down first half of the season. I was like, get him down to AAA. He's not ready. I was wrong. He had a great second half. Looks like he's the real deal. So why the hell aren't you paying him? This should be the easiest decision of your organization. This guy was a top prospect in your system for so many years. You were so patient with him. And first base is a premium position, too. Like, this should be a no-brainer. And they can't give him an, an offer that's enticing? So what the hell did they offer him? Like, it must have been a really insulting offer. I mean, it's just, you know, for a guy who says he wants to retire as a Red Sox, now, a lot of players say that, <clears throat> Mookie Betts, who's a liar, um, but a, you know, a lot of players say that, but if, like, if he's actually genuine about it, then it should be easy. You already have him here. Just give him a contract that he's worth, and they can't do it. And I already see that, you know, idiots on Twitter, these, you Red Sox fans, like, did you not learn from the Mookie Betts experience? Because I already see it today. Oh, well, they got time. Don't worry about Oh, no reason to panic. They got time. What are you panicking about? They have so much time. He's not a free agent until blah, blah, blah. They did the same thing with Mookie. They dicked around with him. They screwed around with him with a contract. Arbitration year after arbitration year. 
They kept giving him low ball offers. And what happened? They had to trade him because he didn't want to be here. Because at the end of it, even if they have offered him, even if I, I still think he's a liar and I think they did offer him $300 million, but I think at that point he was so turned off by the Red Sox and by this city that he was like, no, I'm not taking it. I No, I, I'm not doing it. So they had to get rid of him. Do you want to go through that with Tristan Casas, who everyone thinks is going to be the next David Ortiz? And look, I hope you're right. I, I think he's a great player. I think he can be a great player. But just pay the guy. Like, stop messing around. And this is, again, it's just like, it just adds to the frustration of this whole offseason. Like, okay, you won't pay for free agents. Okay, that's weird as Fenway Sports Group. You're not a mid-market team. You're supposed to be a high-market team, but okay. You won't trade for any big-time players. All right. Also kind of weird because you spent so many years building up your farm system. Fine. You've got Tristan Costas, who could be a future superstar in-house, and you can't give him a contract that he wants to sign? What the hell are you doing at that negotiating table? Like, what kind of BS offers are you handing this guy? It's just mind-blowing that they can't even get that done. So they suck at free agency. They kind of suck at trades. They suck a little bit at drafting because they don't draft pitching. And you also suck at signing your own guys. What are you good at? Are you good at anything? Like, what What are they going to do? They're going to finish in last place again, and Tristan Casas is going to have to go through the arbitration system over and over again until he gets frustrated like Mookie does, and they have to trade his ass too? It's just, again, it just shows, like, the incompetence of this organization right now. I don't know what they're doing. It, this should be the easiest thing. He's in-house. He says he wants to be here. Just pay him. Just pay him. It's not that big of a contract. These pre-arbitration deals, they're really not bank breakers. They're not. You, you can actually save yourself a lot of money by doing it now. And they still won't do it. And it's just more of the penny-pitching nonsense that they've been doing all offseason. It's, it's really driving me crazy. Like, the Schreiber trade got me riled up. That was annoying. This is even more annoying. Because as much as I was down on Casas the first half of last season, he was a monster in the second half. And I, again, Mia Copa, I was wrong. He he turned, he opened my eyes. I was like, okay, yeah, this kid is the future. This is great. You've got Devers at third. You lock this kid up at, at first base. You've got Marcelo Mayer, who apparently is the next Nomar, according to them, coming up pretty soon. Okay, looking pretty good. But they can't sign him because they're still penny-pinching. It's ridiculous, and it's just, again, another failure on this organization. They better get it done. They better, you know, I, I don't want to hear, well, we've table talks until next season. No, get it done. Get back to the table, wake up, and just get your heads out of your rear ends and get it done. Because if you can't sign Tristan Casas and if you can't extend him and Brian Bayo, then, like, seriously, you don't deserve to own the baseball team. At that point, that that's like sell the team territory if you can't get that done. So, um, again, just another embarrassing headline to add to this offseason. I can't believe they couldn't get it done. It's ridiculous. I don't really have much to add there, Jason. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> I, I agree with every single thing you said. Um, just a couple things to add, you know. 
you, you bring up the Mookie deal and you could even go back to the Bogarts deal um, last, um, you know, in spring training of 2022, um, you know, it was reported that they lowballed him, you know, and I, I think you see the deals of Julio Rodriguez, um, just the creativity in those deals that, you know, you have a starting baseline salary, but if you end up being an MVP, which is good for the organization because that probably means it's leading to wins, which should be the goal. The player gets rewarded for that, you know, that performance. And, you know, the Mookie deal, whether it was 300 or not, there was zero creativity in that deal. You had a top three player in the sport, a future Hall of Famer, and you were simply offering him 10 and 300 with zero incentive-based, you know, incentives in the contract. And... With Casas, I see it the same exact way. Like, why not give him crazy incentives down the road? You know, because you know he is with, with how with how contracts are kind of exploding. Uh, expansions probably coming, so there's going to be more money in the game than ever before. Like, who knows? A, a starting first baseman, a top first baseman in the league, could be making forty to forty-five million dollars in eight years when the Red Sox hopefully still have Casas because they give him a 10 plus year extension. Um, so give him that incentive down the road that, you know, you can make 38 and a half million dollars if you finish in the top 10 of the MVP or something like that, like be creative and stop trying to win the deal because, you know, if you end up signing Casas to say a nine year deal with two team options or something like that, which is what I would, you know, eight, eight, nine year deal with options. Like you win the deal. You, you keep a guy who you believe in. And I think that's what this, this really comes back to is if you're not committing to Tristan Casas now, that just tells me you don't believe in him because if you did, you would, you would sign him because there'd be nothing stopping you. Like you look at Ronald Acuna jr. Now I'm not trying to compare Casas to Ronald Acuna jr. But they, they only got him for that, I think it was 10 years, like $100 million or eight years, $100 million, a complete steal. They signed him after he played a year and a half in the big leagues because they believed in him. And now they were able to do all of the amazing things they've been able to do because they have one of the best players in baseball and probably the best bargain in baseball. So it's like, why are you trying to essentially cheat Casas out of money that he definitely deserves down the road if he's going to be the player you believe he's going to be. And uh, I saw a couple people on, on Twitter, they responded to me complaining about the fact that the deal wasn't done. And they're like, he's only a rookie. They have five more years to get this done. And it's like, yeah, but if he has the season that all Red Sox fans want him to have, which is a 30, 35 Homer plus season with a hundred RBIs, he's not going to sign for what he was even hoping for this offseason, he's going to be like, okay, well, I just was a top five offensive first baseman in the league. Now I want 10, 20 more million dollars per year at the back end of the deal. And it's just, it's going to snowball on them. Like they have a chance to get a good deal, but he still gets paid. But the longer you wait, you lose the opportunity of getting a good deal and he just gets his money. And it's just poor business. It, it's such poor business. 
And it's frustrating. Why, why do we have to keep reliving this? <laughs> I don't understand, Jason. You nailed it 100%. And I just, to me, this is a no-brainer. Bayo, you can, you can honestly convince me not to lock a Bayo right now just because pitchers are risky and he still is under team control for five more years. I could honestly wait a year or two on Bayo, and I'd be fine. I know you'll pay a little bit more, but so be it. Pitchers are risky. But a first baseman like Casas, I don't understand it. Just imagine if he didn't struggle in April and May last year, what the vibe would be, what the urgency could possibly be. Um, the, the Red Sox are, are lucky that he struggled in April and May, and they have a chance to capitalize on that right now with a relatively team-friendly deal. Here's a quote, and this is from the Rob Bradford article. It's, it's pretty damning. There's going to be one line in here, um, and I'll, I'll emphasize it by raising my voice. Uh, in, in an animated way, you'll know you'll know which line it is when I when I get to it. All right. So, when asked about what he Casas might be looking for, there were no years or numbers, but more of a general idea. And then Casas says, "Quote: He's looking for a deal that sets." Up, me and my family for the rest of my life, said Casas. I don't know what that looks like. I'm low maintenance. I don't need a lot. So I've got a small family. I don't need much, but something I think that would suffice for the work I have put into my whole life would be nice. So it must have been pretty low. If he's telling you, I don't need a lot, it, it must be pretty low. If, if I could venture to guess, I think they might have offered him eight years, $40 million. <laughs> That's what I think. That's where I think we're at. I could be wrong. Maybe it was an additional 10 or 20, but... Um, but yeah, and then Bradford's comparison to another player who got a, a, a deal, same exact service time, Corbin Carroll, eight years, 111 million. That's a great starting point. Now, what happens if you don't offer him this is, what was it? 10 years, 311 million for Rafi Devers. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when the player gets the leverage. Right now, the Red Sox have the leverage. I don't know if they know what leverage means, but they have the leverage and they can get a team-friendlier deal right now if, if they choose to do it. And apparently, they're not doing it. If you would assign Devers two years earlier, he's getting probably around $200 million. So He's probably getting paid twenty million a year instead of 31 but because they were stupid now they gotta now they gotta pay the penalty and that's an extra 11 million dollars a year to Rafi Devers you probably could have got Mookie at 10 and 300 had they done that one year earlier than than they offered him and that would have been the same offseason that Manny Machado took that exact deal 10 years 300 million. They've since reworked his contract with a, another extension. Um, Bryce Harper got I, 13 years, 325 million. So, like, 
a 26 average annual value a year. So if the Red Sox did it that same offseason, I, I think they could have locked up Mookie. Full disclosure, going all the way back to 2019, I wasn't a pay Mookie guy. It, it was very convenient to use it to bash Bloom you know, the last few years. But I, I just wasn't a Mookie guy. And he was oh for what in this past postseason in the Diamondback series? Probably oh for 12, something like that. Um, you know, so... But you you have to you have to get that done early. Um, another example: Matt Olson, I think, signed his extension with the Braves. It was something like eight years, hundred and sixty-eight million. He had one more year to go uh, before free agency. I think Costas is going to come out way ahead of that. I think he's like Aaron Judge light. I don't think he's quite going to be what Judge is, but I think it's going to be close enough. It, if no deal gets worked out, he's he's going to get a minimum of 300 when he's when he hits free agency. I really believe that. He's going to hit for average. He's going to have an insanely high on base. I think he's going to hit 40 home runs. He's going to have at least two 40, 40 plus seasons uh, before hitting free agency at Fenway Park. I think he's going to be a monster. Micah. In in two years, who's the better hitter, Tristan Casas or Rafael Devers? Oof. I, I might actually, yeah, I might put my money on Casas. I just, I think his overall approach is a little bit better. Devers is just kind of a he's a he's a big time power hitter, but we've seen that average dip and we've seen him go through a lot of strikeout bouts as well where those those K numbers go up. Um I think Casas's overall approach is better. I think Devers will always hit for more power. He just has more natural power, but I think Casas as a whole could end up being a better overall hitter than Rafael Devers. If you give him, yeah, in two years, yeah, I, I put my money on him. I don't think it's going to be a huge gap, though. And in a big spot, I think I still want Devers. In, in a big postseason game with runners on and a couple outs, I just trust he's got that clutch gene. And But it, it's an interesting point, and I think what you have here could be the closest thing to Manny and Poppy, that punch you can't put them back to back because they're lefties so you gotta squeeze someone in there but it's gonna be a similar effect i feel like and uh, another point this is kind of random and I, I think i did sort of bring it up but i don't think devers is set up for a good season who's protecting him it's got it's gonna be story or o'neill uh, devers is not gonna get anything to to hit it's just nuts that's why you you go give Soler fourteen million, put him in there, because if you walk Devers, you're probably going to walk Soler. He's he's a high on base guy, and then guess who's coming to the plate? Tristan Casas. So uh, I just there's no the and, and going back to the Breslow thing. This this is poor execution. This is a failure to execute. Not getting nope. this deal done. Nobody fears the right-handed hitters in your lineup. Not a single one of them. O'Neal, Grissom, Story, Wong. No. Nah. 
Nobody fears them. And that's, you're right. Devers, Costas, those guys will suffer as a result of it. I, I've only seen highlights of Grissom, but he might be the guy I slot in there. <laughs> Just, you shouldn't, but, you know, I mean,. I, you just, what, what do you do? There's nobody. Your prospects are all a, lefties. Go ahead. It, it's such a poorly constructed roster based on the fact that they play half their games at Fenway park. Yeah. Like you're not utilizing the monster. I mean, yes, Devers and Casas, I think have the potential, even Durant to use the opposite field and use the monster, but to hit home runs, like Jorge Soler, you probably, if he stays healthy for 130 games, you pencil him in for 35 plus, you know, but Trevor story, I'm not penciling him in for 20 plus. Like I think I'd put it at like 21 and a half for Trevor story right now. And that's if he stays healthy, you know, but I'm not expecting a good average out of him. Like I think it's going to be all or nothing. And it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm not pitching to Casas. I'm not pitching to Devers. And every, all the other seven guys, I'll take my chances and see if they can beat me. That's how I would approach this team. And that's the thing. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm penciling in story for an IL stint by Memorial Day. So it's like, – and then it's just, what, Tyler O'Neill, who might also be on the IL by then. He, he ain't it's even just, making it to opening day. I'm calling yeah, it right now. He's gonna, it's ridiculous. He's going to pull his hamstring or he's going to have a back problem, and O'Neill will not be ready opening day and i since we're penciling in stuff for trevor story i'm penciling in in for a minimum of seven golden sombreros and if you're a casual fan a golden sombrero is a four strikeout game he had at least a couple last year so did some other guys but yeah all right we'll, we'll just wrap on that since we've got nothing nice to say um hour and 10 minutes Good show. We thought there would be some fireworks. There were. And um, we'll, we'll be back. We're going to do our annual uh, ladies night. Uh, and I'm finalizing that um, roster. But that could be an episode this week. Not sure. But we could be back either way as uh, things are developing uh, with spring training. So... We'll be back uh, soon, no matter what. Everyone have a great start to your week. Take care.